Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and in this episode, we're looking at the problems being faced by millions of people and their families and caregivers as they work to maintain their mental and physical health as they age. We're going to look specifically at some solutions designed to help them age in place so they can maintain their health and independence. Real quickly, though, I just want to do a shout out to Dougie Max C in the UK, and thank you for your recent review on iTunes. I appreciate the five-star rating, and I'm really glad to hear that you've received a lot of value from our guests and learned a lot about the trends and what's happening in digital health. That's our mission here at Digital Health Today and our passion, and it's great to hear from listeners when we've hit the mark. If you'd like to leave a review, it can be done in less than a minute directly from your podcast app on your smartphone. For step-by-step instructions, visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash review or reach out to me directly on Twitter at HealthTechDan or by email on dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, in many parts of the world, the accepted standard is that once someone reaches the age of 65, they've automatically and magically been transported to the beginning of old age. Careers end, discounted movie and train tickets begin as people move from being seen as economic assets and contributors to a financial burden. When the first pensions were introduced in Prussia around 1880, people really weren't expected to live much beyond 65. Now, we can debate whether someone who is 65 today should automatically be classified as, quote, old, but that's a conversation for another day. What I think all of us can agree on is that we do need to find ways to keep everyone healthier longer, and not just increase their lifespan, but increase their health span, like we talked about on episode 65 with Jack Kreinler. Now, one of the key questions surrounding care for aging populations is how can people keep healthy and active at home so we can prevent or delay the point at which they require more intensive and more expensive access to the healthcare system? This desire to help people age in place needs to be balanced with the risks associated with people living independently and, frankly, with the need to maintain their mental health. There's often a deep sense of isolation and loneliness that occurs during these years. I recently discovered two very interesting solutions which combine AI, robotics, sensors, and a range of other technologies to create very different solutions that help address these concerns. I'm joined on this episode by two guests. Our first guest is Doris Sculler. He's the CEO and co-founder of Intuition Robotics. And also joining me later in the program is Asaf Sela, who's the CEO and co-founder of Kytera. We're going to dive into the ways that technology can be used to solve these problems and how that can make an impact on people who are aging and their families. Dor, let's start off with you. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Dor, so your company, Intuition Robotics, combines AI with computer vision and with what I guess could be best described as a robot. It it helps aging adults remain active and independent at home. Tell me about the part of the problem that you're working to address and the impact that it has on people around the world today. Sure. Well, the, the problem we're, we're trying to address, um, is not to help people live longer, even though, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we don't know how to do that. But what we are really interested in is the fact that many, many of the older adults are, are experiencing loneliness and social isolation. And that's a huge issue. Actually, the AARP in the States has equated that status in, to smoking 15 cigarettes a day as far as the health risks associated with it and are saying that it costs Medicare and Medicaid around $6.7 billion a year directly attributed 
to loneliness and isolation. Why? Because it causes acceleration in dementia and depression and heart disease and also a huge amount of stress on the caregivers. And what we're trying to do is help um, older adults that are independent or active and are engaged to stay that way so they don't become lonely and isolated. And the data shows that if you're able to stay active and engaged, you in fact push out frailty and these uh, things that I mentioned uh, in the majority of cases. Wow. I knew it was a problem, but I actually didn't realize it was quite as damaging as it is. So to help address this, you've developed a, a home companion of sorts. That's the device or product that you've used to engage your users. It's called LEQ, E-L-L-I-Q, and listeners can see the device by visiting LEQ.com. And of course, we'll have links to it in the show notes for this episode. You also have a great video of the product in use, which I'll share on the website as well. It's a cool looking product. And one of the things I immediately thought of when I saw it was the Pixar lamp. Was that part of the inspiration as you were creating this? Yes, we were very much inspired by the Pixar lamp. I'm really happy you asked me that because most people think it was Groot <laughs> that inspired us, a science fiction figure. But um, the Pixar lamp inspired us because it's, it's a, to us, it was really interesting to see how much emotion we felt looking at a lamp, especially when sometimes they have the big lamp looking down at the little lamp looking up. And, you know, in our minds, it's mommy lamp looking at baby lamp. And, you know, we, we uh, anamorphosize so much meaning into a simple movement. Um, of, uh, of an inanimate object, essentially. So, um, so yes, very much so. And what we're trying to use are principles in a relatively new field in science called HRI, Human Robotic Interaction, where Professor Guy Hoffman, who leads um, the computer robotic department at Cornell University, has been advising us on. Um, and it's it's really amazing to see in research how much humans um, read into motion and lights and gestures that are not necessarily conversational and turn that into something meaningful for them. And I guess that one of the key benefits is that you're really blurring the lines between the user and the technology. I mean, technology is definitely a part of our daily lives. And really, to state the obvious, it isn't the interaction with the technology that users are seeking. It's really the interaction with the real world and the people and the things that they care about. That's what they want. And they simply achieve that through the interaction with technology. This can be a real problem, though, for some people, since it requires that a person physically pick up and choose to interact with some device. And in fact, there many of these tools change all the time with software updates and interface updates, which creates a huge amount of stress and anxiety for elder adults. So basically what we found is creating an interface that subconsciously we can understand pretty easily. And body language is something we understand subconsciously pretty well. Um, really, really helps remove barriers and create a much easier, less anxious um, inter- engagement, if you will. So if LEQ doesn't understand you, she won't just say, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Can you please repeat? She'll actually look down and apologize and assume an apologetic pose. Her lights will be softer. You can feel she's apologizing. So you don't even need to wait for her to say, I'm sorry. And of course, on the screen, it will also complement by creating some kind of closed captioning on what we're trying to say. So what we find is that it becomes a lot more approachable and easier to use. And we use that interface also to create what we call back channels, which are um, some sort of a relationship between LEQ and its owner. 
it's not the main goal of the product. The main goal is, of course, connecting people to their families, making content available, helping people stay on track and, uh, and stay active and engaged based on their own goals. And I'm happy to explain that in a second. What we find is these little micro gestures really, really matter. And think about the people we're talking about. Many of them are homebound. Many of them talk to one person or less a week. In the UK, 50% of older adults talk to one person or less a week. Um, and really what, what that allows us to do are small things. Like when you walk into the room, LEQ will look at you. When you look at her, she'll look back at you. Kind of like maybe a dog in the corner of the room will be chewing their toy. And when you walk in, he'll raise his head and give you a little look. Similarly, um, when we have messages from the family and they send a picture, LEQ will look at the picture with you. She'll pivot towards the screen. And then maybe she'll look back and say, oh, looks like the family went skiing. How cool. And those little tiny interactions are, are meaningful, um, we find, in addition to all the other things. Now, some people who haven't seen this yet may be tempted to think that you've simply added some robotics and a display to an Alexa or Google Home product, but LAQ is really a lot more than that. You mentioned to me before that there were three key ways that this product really differentiates itself from voice automation assistance. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah. So, so we, we, by the way, believe that the first generation of um, voice-based assistants are amazing products, and I have four Alexas in my home. Uh, truly, though, LEQ is a different product. First of all, it is proactive and not reactive. And that is a major change in architecture and technology. It's not a feature that you turn on or off. What I mean by that is that um, we don't wait for the user to approach us and say, Alexa, please play some music. Of course, if they do, um, it definitely works. But we use different perception agents like computer vision and other agents that we have and we fuse that data together to try to build context of what's happening at home. For example, who's in the living room right now? Is my owner there? Is a guest over? What time of day is it? What have we done already today? What's the weather outside? And that gives us context. That then goes into our cognitive computing system where we try to optimize the machine's behavior based on multiple goals. Many of them compete with each other. For example, you should do exercise once a day. Um, you need to take your pills and medication around lunchtime. Um, you should smile every day and be happy. Maybe you want to listen to music once a day or to the news once a day. But then there's a competing goal also saying, don't annoy the user too much. Because if LEQ talks to them all the time, it will get annoying and they'll stop using the product. Also, don't embarrass the user. Maybe you have a guest over and you will be embarrassed if we suggest for you to take medication right now. Maybe it's worse waiting. So there are all these competing goals. And then we, we reference the context and that creates a dynamic policy that allows, um, or that drives the behavior of LEQ of what's may or may not happen right now. It doesn't mean it will happen. It literally makes a decision what's going to happen or not. But the context of the situation drives what's possible. And then we make a decision, and finally, um, we act. So what I mean to say by that is the whole interaction model is completely different with the fact that you don't need to approach the system. You need to input goals into the system, and then the system approaches you and will say, hey, Dan, you've been talking a lot. Why don't you drink some water? 
or it's really nice out. It stopped raining. Why don't you go for a walk? Uh, and that is truly, truly a different system. The second thing that's very different is around the interaction itself, where instead of being voice only or voice assisted by a screen, it's multimodal, as we discussed before. It's these combinations of movements and lights and um, sound effects and tone of voice and content we show on the screen that are all uh, tied together, almost like an animated short, to feel natural and to feel almost lifelike, and are also highly personalized to the user. And the third, probably most important to, to our users, is our hyper-focus on the older adult use case. We've worked with over 150 older adults in developing this product in the design phase and the, the creation phase. And now we're, we're testing it in older adults' homes in California and the United States. And this is the entire focus of this first product. It's only built to cater to the needs and desires of older adults to thrive at this period in their lives and not trying to be a conduit towards shopping or uh, to buy services online or anything like that. Only goal is to get families closer and to help you stay active and engaged. It's really a very cool product, and I'm glad that you're making this product available for people. I actually think there's a market for other age groups, but I understand that you obviously want to focus on aging adults for now. Uh, we should let everyone know that there is an active wait list that you can join. Listeners can visit leq.com, E L L I Q.com, and sign up to get this product for use in your own home. You can also find out more about the company by visiting intuitionrobotics.com, and you can find them on Twitter at intuitionrobo. Dor, thanks for joining me and being a part of the podcast. Okay, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll jump into the conversation with Asaf Sela, the CEO and co-founder of Kytera, and we'll talk about the monitoring technology that allows people to track things like posture, sleep, nutrition habits, pretty much everything. You won't want to miss it, and I'll speak to you on the other side. All right, we're back on this episode about aging in place, and we're talking about the technologies that can be used to help aging adults and the people who care for them to stay healthier and independent at home. With me on the line is Asaf Sela. He's the co-founder and CEO of Kytera. Asaf, we just heard Dor from Intuition Robotics talk about the use of an AI companion to help address some of the isolation and loneliness issues that are faced by many seniors. Your company, Kytera, has developed a solution to assist the same population, but with a little different focus. You're focused on providing safe aging at home. Tell me how you're doing that. Specifically, we developed an advanced AI-based remote monitoring system which is oriented to address the main needs of an elder that ages at his home and the needs of his caregivers, both family and professional caregivers. The technology that we develop enables us to get a unique insight into understanding the activities of the person, of the elderly person at home and the vicinity of, of, of home to the level that we can actually understand the context of the activity in very high resolution. And we use that in order to automatically and reliably detect emergency situations to provide meaningful and actionable wellness information to caregivers. And lastly, with predictive analytics, also do things like detect behavioral symptoms of diseases, or assess the risk of fall for a fall prevention. 
So I grew up when the Life Alert ads were being aired on TV, the old iPhone and I can't get up commercials. I think they're probably still running in some parts of the world. Now, that company is still going today with a very similar system to what they had 30 years ago. Your solution is altogether different. Tell me what's different about your approach and what sort of information you're able to track. Sure. So um, it's a remote monitoring system that is based on a wristband that the person wears. There are uh, five special indoors positioning uh, sensors that are spread uh, in the person's uh, premises. There's a base unit that serves as the hub that connects the enome system to, uh, to, to, to the cloud where the activity analysis algorithms are running. And uh, when they, they detect an emergency or a deterioration in wellness, they report back to a mobile app for family caregivers or to a dashboard for a professional caregiver in a home care. Okay, so you're providing that connectivity and communication between what's happening inside the home and even what's happening when they leave the home, and you're connecting that back with remote caregivers, and I understand your system has multiple layers to allow it to learn about the user. Can you tell us about that? From a technological perspective, the system has three layers. First, we are able to track the location of the person anywhere he or she are in the house at the room level resolution. So in essence, the wristband and the sensors form sort of a, a private GPS network within the premises of the elder. So these are not motion sensors like many of the uh, solutions that tried to bridge this value uh, proposition gap in the market, but dedicated uh, RF-based indoors positioning sensors that enables us, as I mentioned, to track the location of, of the person. And I specifically start with the location because the location provides the biggest hint with regards to uh, the context of the activity. If I would tell you that, that the system detected the person lying motionless in the hallway uh, at 2 a.m. and contrast to the case where uh, she is in the bedroom at the same time, then in the later case, she's probably sleeping. In the first case, it is an emergency. In addition, we also track the person's posture. So we can tell whether the person is currently standing, lying, sitting, walking, and so forth. And as you can imagine, it's far from being trivial to know what is the body posture based on an accelerometer on, in a wristband that sits on your wrist. So based on the hand orientation, we have a special machine learning algorithm that can assess the posture. And posture is also very important because it's dramatically different to know that you are lying in the hallway compared to walking in the hallway. In addition, this combination of position and posture is unique in the sense that it enables us to broaden the value to more than detecting falls and emergencies because it provides us with an insight into understanding what the person does. For example, we can tell that the person is currently uh, preparing uh, her breakfast because we know that she is in the kitchen in an active standing posture. So with that, we can do things like, okay, aggregate the daily time that the person is preparing his meal and see how it varies over time, providing you with um, an important insight into a key element in the person's nutrition routine. And we do that for the key daily activities um, of, a, of an elder, a, including an analysis of his sleep patterns, um, nutrition patterns, uh, hygiene activities, 
uh, out of home uh, inform activity and the general uh, types of uh, activities uh, throughout the day. All right, so you're tracking posture and location throughout the home and throughout the day. You're developing understanding about key activities like hygiene activities, sleep pattern, nutrition routine, and out-of-home activities. Are you tracking any vital signs as part of the system? And how is all this information being used to construct a more complete view of the user's health and condition? This information feeds um, an AI engine that takes the location and movement information and interprets the context. And on top of that, our wristband also tracks a vital sign, the heart rate, which is used for confirmation um, and purposes so we can uh, better understand the activity or increase the reliability of detecting distress. The third layer is the application layer that takes the insights that we get about the person's activities as we measure them you know, per room, per time, and uh, using that in order to detect emergencies, like knowing that the person is lying in the hallway where we shouldn't do that, uh, or provide a meaningful wellness information about a deterioration in, in one or more of the daily uh, activities uh, that they mentioned, and to use predictive analytics to detect uh, early symptoms or behavioral symptoms of, uh, of diseases. For example, depression is one of the most underdiagnosed diseases in elderly population. Even that, it has behavioral symptoms like a decreased energy, declining appetite, and abnormal wake-up times. All of these are behavioral symptoms that our system can pick up. Interesting. So with the Kytera system, you can spot trends that may indicate some of the mental health issues that users are experiencing. It sounds like you and Intuition Robotics can have a partnership there with the uh, LEQ companion that could be used to help prevent or address some of that loneliness uh, that so many people experience. That's a lot of data that you're tracking. And it seems that from the perspective of the person being monitored, it's all very seamless. There are no cameras. There's only one small wristband to wear. There's a few other sensors installed in their home. From the perspective of other users, the ones that are receiving all this data, it seems that there's a risk of information overload. So how are you communicating that information back to caregivers? And is there a difference between what you provide to professional caregivers compared to uh, family members? So um, in parallel to us understanding the context of what the person is doing, we also communicate uh, our insight in a contextual way. We definitely don't want to overload people, uh, not technical people, you know, with a bunch of graphs uh, and uh, that, you know, you have to dig in in order to understand what is going on. And instead, we provide the conclusions in a natural language way, like saying that your elderly parent has a, a, a significant sleep issue over the course that developed over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks. He's sleeping significantly less at night. or uh, the uh, time spent preparing meals has significantly decreased. By the way, this is a, a real issue with the elders that, you know, uh, start uh, just taking uh, yogurt out of the refrigerator instead of uh, preparing a full lunch. So it, it is as if you, you had someone, you know, almost like, like living with, with a person and telling you in a natural language way what are the key issues uh, with his wellness? 
uh, professional caregivers like uh, the ones in home care agencies are also exposed to more detailed information that enables them to pinpoint the problems to, uh, for example, a day level resolution in the last a couple of weeks and say and seeing that in, in specific days uh, the, the sleep was uh, significantly less or what were the days in which the person didn't come come out of home and, and so forth. So if, if you think about it, we are kind of a, an intermediary that um, gets a lot of uh, information and provides the required information per the target audience. Um, and this is also the way that we address, you know, this trade-off between functionality and privacy. I can imagine that the professional caregivers and family members absolutely love having these insights, but what's the response been from the people being monitored? Sure. At, at, at the end of the day, uh, elderly also understand that this type of uh, solutions serves sort of their uh, as, as their electronic guarding agents. Uh, enable them to avoid uh, getting into distress or emergency situations and also helping them out to live um, better lives or uh, healthier lives, uh, which also serves their uh, ambition to prolong the time that they can uh, stay at home. So uh, if you make it correctly, it is a, a win-win situation. Asaf, it sounds like a great solution that I wish was in place for my grandparents years ago, and perhaps it's one that my parents and I will be able to use in the years to come. Now, listeners, you can find out more about the company at kytera.care, K-Y-T-E-R-A.care, and you can find them on Twitter at Kytera Tech. Asaf, thanks so much for joining me and for being a part of the podcast. My pleasure, Dan. All right, well, there you have it. Two companies, two different approaches, both using AI to help address the problems being faced by people who are aging in place and for those who care about them. Grab all the show notes by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com slash agingandplace, and we'll have all the links to everything we just discussed on this episode. While you're on the website, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find the link to your preferred podcast provider on the site there, and be sure to sign up for our newsletter too. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Health Today. I'm glad you're here because together we can really make a difference. I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. And until next time, keep on innovating. Innovating.